I'll just start from the whatever. What were you saying? Sorry? Were you about to say something? Sorry. No. Okay. Unreal start. You are now listening to The Stream Team. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Stream Team Soccer Podcast. If you listened to the first episode, welcome back. If this is your first time, thanks for joining. Welcome here. Um, Join with me is my industrious co-host, Sean. Took us a little bit to get episode two up and running, but uh, here we are. You know, it's it's summer. It's transfer season. Keeping up with transfer chaos. So we'll be talking a lot about that today. Notably, the GOAT. Yeah. No matter what way you look at it. Lionel Messi has been said that Barcelona are not continuing with him. That it's such a strange like when I heard that too, I remember thinking like that's not true because like what was it? Not like a month or two ago, they're talking about that massive contract he was about to sign, and I guess uh, La Liga's newly implemented uh, wage cap is going to stop them from being able to make the signing at all so here we are yeah the whole the whole situation is a bit unreal like you can't really see Messi at any other club and no the whole the whole way Barcelona has been running the club going posting multi-hundred million dollar losses uh non-stop super unsustainable wage bill yeah and now they now they can't even afford their whole brand their talisman right and to be honest the league's talisman uh la liga's not looking too good without messi and ronaldo left two two seasons ago or two summers ago now and like like i i it seems like atletico has gotten better since then but barca and uh real have been like pretty stagnant you would say uh in the last two three seasons right yeah, definitely. Uh, and it, it's interesting. We've seen some talk that maybe Barcelona coming public and saying that they're going to have to let Messi go and Messi's a free agent now might be to pressure La Liga to maybe amend some kind of rule or right. make some kind of exception because losing Messi from Barca, also you lose him from the league likely. And then that's a lot of money. and Yeah, absolutely. Right, so there, there's some theories that this is really just Barcelona playing poker. However, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to follow. But I, I certainly could see that. Like, I, I mean, it's, even right now, like you see a lot of people talking about it. Like, it, it seems like you got to think PSG, maybe City, or staying at Barca under, like you said, like there's some uh, exception that La Liga makes or maybe he signs like a more team friendly deal i'm not sure the logistics uh, logistics of it or maybe they ship out uh uh dembele and griezmann and coutinho and they can get like a lot of wages off their bill and maybe that will allow them to make the signing then and they're just stalling for the time being it's really hard to say but like i wouldn't rule out seeing him back at the camp new but yeah um but but the the weird thing about it is similar to the Kane situation we'll get to uh 
there's only a handful of teams that can even go there, right? Yeah, I, I personally don't see him going anywhere except for PSG, and that's simply because the, like the big clubs are hurting right now financially, and PSG seems to be the only club of the big clubs so far this summer that's really been able to secure high-paying wages contracts to free agents, and also they have the whole Argentine connection. Right. Um, Pochettino's Argentinian. Uh, quite a few of the players, Di Maria, Paredes, Neymar is friends with Messi. Uh, it, it just makes sense yeah. overall. But, you know, you know, um, this might just be a coincidence, but Southampton offload Danny Ings for 30 mil, and oh. the next day Messi becomes a free agent. I think – 30 mil in wages freed up right there. That's another that's another weird coincidence because I heard one yesterday about how and this is a true story actually. First part, true story. I mean, it's all a true story. Listen to me. I'm definitely credible. You would never lie. I'd never lie to you. So Messi society. Messi actually was pushing Barcelona to try and sign Christian Romero from Atalanta. Uh so obviously now that he's a free agent He's probably just going to come to Spurs, right? Like, naturally, that's yeah. what you would do. <laughs> that's the next step. He's got to go where his guy's going. He's got a defender, finally, that let him win the Copa. He's going to want to stick with him. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Kane who, right? Right. Uh, but in seriousness, it's been an insane, spicy, juicy transfer window, and it's set to continue that way. Uh, yeah. I mean... I, I think you got a you got a lot of teams making moves early. Uh, I mean, I know you and I are both personally really pleased with what our teams have done. But, uh, we'll get to that. But later. then you know, I think it was what was it was it even the same day that like the or was it the day after that Kane didn't show up to training and Ings just randomly signed for Aston Villa. Yeah, I guess we can start with the whole Aston Villa saga because they are yeah. having an insane summer. Insane. Uh, they must have really... Like, Grealish is off to City now, confirmed. They paid the $100 million for his re- release clause that Villa put in. Um, I don't know if you saw, Villa's board actually released like a, a video explaining the whole situation. And they even basically admitted that we set his release clause at 100 mil because we didn't think that somebody would pay pay it but if somebody did we knew it would reflect his value to us and as one of the top english players so that even happening in the first place is crazy but you kind of have to think that they knew it was coming with how they've been spending i was going to say when like before i what was it like the first couple days of the transfer window or maybe it was one of those deals that they they iron out during the season and then it's finalized when the transfer window opens for uh Emmy Ben uh Buendia and that was what 35 million like not a small yeah, fee about. and like a similar role type player as Grealish and a phenomenal player at that like huge loss for Norwich um but you got to think like why are they you know it's the classic oh it's to play alongside you know just like with Spurs uh with Vlahovic uh Oh, it's to play alongside Harry Kane. Like, yeah, okay. Daniel Levy's going to spend $50 million to play for a second striker to play alongside Kane. All right, sure. And then, then what was it? Leon Bailey, uh, just a couple days before the deal was made public, or official, I mean. 
Ashley Young on a free. Ashley Young. The, Dan- some good- the Danny Ings out of nowhere. Like, you got to think that was like a, well, we're about to, they're about to, City's about to make this announcement, so. Yeah, I have to say that was a, I mean, this is definitely one of the sneakiest, most kept quiet deals in history in the modern transfer age. And my interpretation of it, which I think you have a similar one, is Villa knew Grealish was imminent out, and they were like, we need to have something that we can say like a PR uh, right away. Win. We need, yeah, we need a win right now because this is a, arguably the biggest loss for the club in the last 20 years. I don't right. know. Forever. It's a huge loss. Um, and you had Danny Ings at Southampton, who's going into his last year of contract. Uh, the, the position was firm on Southampton's end. We want to keep him for his last year. He's still under contract. He's too important to us. But there was always that if, if the offer is good enough, you can't turn it down because you're going to lose him for free in a year's time. So if somebody were to bid above 25 mil, and I think 30 mil was, I guess, our mark, then we got to let him go because it's the right thing to do. It's the smart business move. So I assume that Villa, and what it sounds like is three days before it really happened fast, Villa were willing to spend big. So we were like, fine, we'll we'll bite their hands off and get Ings out of here. But the way he was announced is even weirder because it seems as if Southampton weren't aware that he was going to be announced in that fashion and at that time because on our end it was 20 minutes away from our first home preseason friendly so all the fans are sitting in the stadiums yeah no one had reported on this no fab no top tier club sources no one had even mentioned this we knew ings might leave but we assumed top six club and hadn't heard that had come yet and he and and i had we had uh, heard that he he said uh, Spurs were a no because they were interested as maybe a Kane like duo or replacement. Um, I want to say like I, I swear at one point we were hearing it was like he wanted to go to one of the Manchester clubs essentially. Yeah, well the the word was that he would only go to a big club to play in Europe. So then him going to Villa is a bit weird, but obviously you have to like you can't. A lot of Southampton fans are really mad and calling him a snake, and it's. It's weird how he left and how abrupt it was. Like, literally, we all found out about it with Aston Villa announcing that he was signed. No one else reporting on it before. Out of nowhere, just dropped a bomb. That's they pretty uncommon. They didn't do the thing where they yeah. waited for the... Yeah, they didn't... Normally, you have a club, they wait for the medical. They'll get him into the training facility. You'll know about it, like, three days before it's announced. And then they'll get pictures with them in the kit. They just posted some random picture of him in Southampton training gear and said... Villa's delighted to announce the signing of Danny Ings. And yeah, then oh, five that's... minutes later, Southampton tweeted, we can confirm that we've accepted a bid for Danny Ings. Like, that's it was that abrupt. abrupt. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't even realize the details on that. Wow. Yeah, so re- really abrupt. But, I mean, Villa are investing. You can tell that they, they got a project going. So you can see that why that might have been appealing to him outside the fact that he can get a good paycheck and – He's a bit of a journeyman, so... It seems like they're spending the money well, at least. Uh, the money for Grealish. Like, I think Bailey's a good player, and I think is a good player, and I'm sure Ashley Young has a bit in the tank, and they put in that ludicrous bid for James Ward-Prowse. I, I mean, I know we both think James Ward-Prowse 
wouldn't go anywhere, but, you know, maybe if they put in some crazy bid that you guys would look at and say, hey, we can maybe rebuild some of the depths that we're kind of lacking or maybe... But I think, you know, you just got a huge fee for, for Ings, so that shouldn't even be necessary. I was going to say, I think uh, the, the stance on James Ward-Prowse is very clear, and that's that he's not leaving this summer. I mean, even if somebody were... It'd take like 80 mil, 100 mil, and no one's going to pay yeah, that. Yeah, I'd, see it, I'd see it similar to the Grealish thing. Like, you guys value what he is... Uh, how valuable he is to you, not necessarily reflective of the market value and on top of that i don't think he'd necessarily be in any rush to go anywhere um right but i mean you guys have done some other uh good business you've brought in two fullbacks now yeah so romain perot from brest in ligon brest uh, we needed a left back after yes brest <laughs> the brest pirates is actually their their team they're the brest Jeez, pirates that's, so wow Alrighty. Great club. Great club. I guess uh, that's where we have a good relationship with them at Southampton. Yeah. Um, we got Diallo from them last oh, summer. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that apparently was a big uh, bargain point in him coming, and they had a good relationship with the club. So we were able to hijack that deal from, I think, Leeds and somebody else were interested in the Prem. So that was good. So we got a left back to replace Bertrand. Confident in him. He was. Like three goals, seven assists in league on last season, so very good output. Um, and then also, Tino Livermento from Chelsea is a very promising youth English player. Uh, people at Chelsea were really disappointed to see him go, so he's he's more of a right wing back, right wing fullback type player, and he's one for the future for sure. But he'll step in. Also, on the note of hijacking Chelsea's academy prospects, we got Dinell Simeon. I was going to say there's uh, a center back too, right? Yeah. Center back, yep, yep. He was the captain of the U23 team at Chelsea. And then we made Theo Walcott permanent. He's been great to have in the locker room, I think. Now that Bertrand's gone, it's nice to have another older player to level the team that way. But it's going to, you know, it's been some good business. I'll be happy with it if we get the right guy through the doors to replace Ings and yeah right that's now, that's got to be where you're at that, right so. like you got to be and like I think we were to, we were talking about it over text the other day like who you even look at or like what links have there even yeah. been thus far right interestingly I think Tammy Abraham would be my top choice but we're not going to pay that money and it no. sounds like he might be off to Atalanta which I really like that move by the way I agree um but that is contingent on also potentially the circus of Lukaku heading to Chelsea again in inters <laughs> again and then to replace him at Inter they would go for Atalanta's Zapata at striker very similar um, player yeah yeah but Chelsea want a striker and they got their eyes set on Lukaku right now for around 100 mil it's been reported it's yeah i i don't get that one that was another thing we were discussing like i i think i think he's someone that like he he's so i just want to preface i think he was good in the premier league i think he was really good even in the premier league but he wasn't anywhere near as far as i'm concerned like kane or aguero or even like salah you know like as far as like finishers and really what it came down to was I think it's his the same thing like everybody gives him shit for the the touch and the build up play but like you know I think as like when you saw it as best seasons uh at Everton 
um, it was a lot of like, let's get him running into the channels shoulder to shoulder with a defender where it's not really going to matter what his touch with his back to goal you know what I mean like that's his strength is on the run because he's both incredibly strong and incredibly fast and he's a great finisher when he gets the chance but you know and I feel like that's pretty common as far as strikers go those characteristics but uh, I guess what I'm saying is what's weird about it is it feels like it never really quite worked for him at Chelsea the first or second time or United like he did all right he did as well as you'd expect him to do but maybe not what the price tag justified right it's always hard to judge somebody based on their time at Manchester United I think uh, yeah sometimes really good players really good players tend to struggle there in recent years for whatever reason I mean Alexis Sanchez Paul Pogba at times I think you can definitely appreciate that you can be a good player and not for perform sure. as expected at Manchester United and I think Lukaku has pretty much performed everywhere he's been even at United I mean numbers wise he did he did fine. He looked pretty good right there was a lot of complaints from United but he looked good and and he was phenomenal at Inter the last two years 20 plus goals both seasons last season drove him to a Serie A title over Juventus for the first time in however long 24 goals 11 assists uh, I agree I think it's a little bit weird that Chelsea are after him for that fee but I trust Tuchel's te- tactical flexibility and I think Lukaku's very very effective when used to his strengths I I, so I, I trust I absolutely trust Tuchel to play to his strengths too I don't think this would be the same like because like what managers did Lukaku have at United like wasn't Mourinho one like yeah, we that the Mourinho. My my issue with Mourinho can be another episode, and it'll have to be the whole episode. And I'm sure those of you, I'm sure episode. any of you that have supported Manchester United or Chelsea or also Tottenham, maybe probably I'm betting Real Madrid, Porto. You know what I'm talking about. He is a very frustrating man, very frustrating man. Anyway, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about United going from there. Uh, they're having a They are. They're having a good window. Very decent window with two major keystone signings, um Rafael Varane from Real Madrid and Jaden Sancho finally their main guy they've wanted for 2 years now from Dortmund. Pretty expensive for both of them, but they both significantly and immediately improved the team. In and areas and the league, starting so. 11, you'd think, because like, Martial's yeah. fallen off and they can't quite find a partner that works the way they want for yeah. um, Harry Maguire. And now you go and pick up Raphael Varane, who's Champions League winner, World Cup winner. He's done it all at yeah. the highest level and compliments Maguire pretty well at that as well uh too so uh yeah i think united's like kind of closing the gap with how much better city is i mean like city just signed Grealish, but <laughs> okay you add yeah. Grealish to kevin de bruyne bernardo silva sterling like like how many like creative midfield wingery type players do you want on what i mean like they how did they how did they go through all of last season like Weren't they playing Gunduan as a false nine, like, striker for most of the year? When, yeah. Like, crazy. That's why you'd think, like, A, if they 
I guess we should probably get into the whole Kane thing. Where uh, Spurs also at risk of losing their star striker. Uh, so I know how you feel. Maybe uh, maybe even a bit more because we hear about this every single summer for the last five summers. And it looks like it's actually true this time that he... Uh, well, not even just looks like... It's very obvious that he wants a, a new challenge to play in the Champions League and have the opportunity to win trophies and all that, and I think I understand that. It seems like maybe not all the fans do, but, you know, a lot of fans are pretty uh, tribal in that sense, I think. Yeah. Well, as a Southampton supporter, I can say uh, <laughs> losing your, your best players doesn't get easier. Uh, you, you understand it at times. Uh, it's frustrating always. But yeah, it never feels good. Even if it's the smart business move for the club to let him go, it, it it always hurts to lose your best players. And Kane's been Spurs talisman for how long now? Uh, five, six years, seven. I um, because he was kind of uh off the radar too. Like he was twenty one or twenty by the time he got brought up to the first team, and he was by no means a guy that. Like Dane Scarlett, for instance, where they're looking at, oh, look at this talent, 17 years old. Like he, he had been on three or four loan spells, and then you know he did it the long way, I guess. And I think what hurts most of all, and what a lot of the fans are, I guess, kind of having difficulty coping with, is not only is he like one of our own, he's from the academy and all that. It's he represents like that period of success that we had moving away from being the team that had to sell your best players like when we lost Berbatov when we lost Modric when we lost Bale like do you remember that picture I sent you once upon a time it was something along the lines of like like a record setting like 70 some odd Spurs players have been sold and gone on to win trophies like it's it's nuts well I know how you feel uh lots of Southampton players have done the same yeah it's always rough. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, Spurs having a decent window, you'd say. Yeah, and it is odd to think about, like, the season ahead, like, is entirely, you know, it's hard to get excited or, like, not hard to get excited. It's hard to, like, register how I want to feel about the upcoming season. I have no idea what's going to happen as far as Harry Kane's future. However, made a couple big moves. I think... uh Pierluigi Gallini from Atalanta seems the obvious successor to Hugo Lloris. He's an Italy international. I don't think he was in the Euro squad, but he he is an international. Uh, I think he was second or third in Serie A in clean sheets. He's an excellent shot stopper, very, very uh, confident in the box. I, I think he makes himself just from what I've seen thus far he's played a couple preseason games and what I've picked up in clips here and there he uh he commands his box really well I've I've been pretty happy with him uh we've got Brian Heal from Sevilla which is a smart bit of business as well uh 25 million euro I believe it was plus Eric Lamella who was actually one of the higher earners at the club so you got a young talent in who as far as you hear and uh those that follow La Liga or Sevilla and the Spanish national team like this kid's a big deal 
Like he's, I think he was third in Europe for players under 23 for take-ons after Jeremy Doku and uh, Jaden Sancho. I think he was first for players under 23 in chances created, forward uh, dribbles, take-ons, like every uh, bit of creative stat for La Liga um, for players under 23, I want to say. And he's rocking a hell of a haircut. And yes, he he looks like Ringo Starr's Spanish love child. <laughs> he absolutely reminds me of Howard Wolowitz from Big Bang Theory. Yes, also yes. Uncanny resemblance. Like, if he ever changes that haircut, I'm going to be very disappointed. Nah, he's got he's to rock with it. It's so, it's so bad that it's just amazing. It's a throwback to, like, George Best. Yeah, exactly. We've got to get exactly him one of those like sweatery jerseys kits. Yeah. The, the, the V, the nice V collar. Yeah. The fancy kit. I bet those things. Bring back the, the retro kits for Brian Hill's debut. Yeah. I bet those things bring back the really hairstyle. Well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, the biggest one of all, I, I think the official announcement was maybe an hour or two ago, uh, Christian Romero from Atalanta, Defender of the Year in Serie A last year. Just, just to take that in for a second, like how excited Spurs fans and maybe neutral Prem fans, if you haven't watched or gotten the chance to see any of this guy like he is the real deal I think I truly believe he could be like that Van Dyke Ruben Dias level signing for us and I'm super excited yeah exactly what you guys needed and I'm happy that Spurs went out and spent big and got a guy in who you can really build the defense around and can fix some of those issues he has the leadership I think too to cut out the the bad mentality when conceding ahead um absolutely and you know he he did it for argentina this summer that's mainly my experience watching him but he looked phenomenal this summer and i have only heard amazing things about him so that should be a huge signing for you guys yeah my that same here my first experience watching him consistently was in the copa america and in the final he was immense he was unbelievable in the final and I don't even think we were necessarily bidding for him at that point. And I remember as, the second I saw that we, we were negotiating, I was thinking, like, that dude, that dude for Argentina this summer was was immense. And so I looked into him a bit. Uh, so stats from Serie A last season, 3.1 interceptions per game. This is uh, via who scored. So usually they're pretty good with this. They, they have weird inconsistencies with ratings in my opinion and how they rate stuff but uh so 3.1 interceptions per game 2.2 clearances two tackles per game as far as i know nobody on spurs is even close to that even remotely and and that includes pierre emile hoybier who was first or i maybe he dropped out but at least top three in combined interceptions and tackles last season so I think like a really commanding player. He he seems very aggressive. He likes to get stuck in. He seems like he's probably gonna take a yellow or two as well. He's he's rough. I he does not look like a fun defender to play against. And 
whether it be Roden they pair with him or another signing to come, I think we'll, we probably will. I mean, rumor has it we're still in for another center back and a right back. Speaking of London clubs making big money moves for center backs, Ben White to Arsenal for 50 mil from Brighton. It's an interesting one. Controversial. Like, I think we'll all agree that he's a great player and he's probably a good fit. The price tag is pretty steep, though. Yep. For, for So we'll see. I mean, Brighton's certainly not. I, I'm sure they're upset to, to lose their young talisman, but uh, <laughs> I think they're, they've been, even their admin, I think their Twitter admin made some joke about, like, Arsenal just paid $50 million for our third-choice center back. And it's true. Nah, I think he'll go in and steady the shit back there and be their number one guy, and I think he's their number one guy for years to come. Hopefully. Absolutely. So I think he could very easily justify that, and I hope he does. So we'll see how that goes. Um, other than that, Arsenal got Lokanga in from Anderlecht, uh, Nuno Tavares from Benfica. Mm-hmm. Some pretty good depth signings, I think, could work out. It looks like they, they secured Granite Shaka on an extension, too. Oh, no. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, that's another controversial one. Um, that's, that guy's weird. Like, he played, like, that game of his life against France, but every time, like, like as a Spurs fan, and, like, it's not just me, like, a lot of like when we see Jaka's in the lineup for Arsenal when it's under it's just like ooh baby like who's gonna is, is it Musa Dembele is it gonna be Tangi and Dembele like who's gonna give Shaka a run for his money today <laughs> yeah I mean he's he's a brilliant passer and you know he's got that long shot in him every once in a while but yeah he can he tends to dive in and get exposed at times defensively um but Arsenal looking pretty good overall we'll see what happens they're still very much in a rebuild and you know Shaka's got his weaknesses but he's no Mohamed Elneny who's just there for the cardio and literally nothing else yeah they, that team like it does make me feel better about Spurs struggles when I look at Arsenal and see how they're like okay well maybe things aren't so bad yeah I mean hopefully <laughs> they'll continue to give I mean they got their young talents that are exciting. I think Arsenal fans will be looking forward to seeing Emile Smith Rowe, Bukayo Saka, uh, maybe Balogun up top, just just vibing. Like they Martinelli, even like they've got a lot of young talent to look forward to. So very much in a rebuild, but got a center back. There's another step closer. Well, I don't know. Do you think uh, manager's going to make it the whole season? Arteta. Arteta. I don't know. Are they know. committed to the rebuild with him? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, because the thing is, is you feel like, I feel like a lot of clubs base their, like, managerial decisions, at especially towards the end, on, like, what the PR is like. And that team seems, like, impervious from that. Because how many years of Wenger out was there? And it just didn't yeah. seem to phase them at all. I'm a big fan of having patience with the manager though Me to be too. honest and if you if you're in a rebuild and you've decided that this guy was at one point your guy for the rebuild project you got to at least let them see out the rebuilding phase yeah i unless they're like flirting with relegation which i don't expect them to be yeah like i feel like it it needs to be either a combination or one of like 
a PR nightmare. He's lost the fans. He's lost the room, or it's something like, like unfortunately with Pochettino, he had kind of lost the fans and lost the room because things had gotten stale. And you know, it's another different episode topic. All Daniel Levy's fault, and he got scapegoated for it. We're gonna have to create a create a Patreon and have Spurs bonus content on there. <laughs> Spurs rants. <laughs> but then you had Mourinho, who a lot of people thought his, like, sacking was unfair. But it was weird timing, obviously, right before the final. But, like, if you were following and watching game in, game out, like, that team at that point was a toxic mess. Like, you couldn't yeah. tell who was in his bad book or good book. And it seemed like the only people in his good book were Eric Lamella, Harry Kane, Hyungman Sun, and Lucas Mora. And it, I, I don't want to get into. <laughs> yeah, let's. Well, moving on. Uh, another team that's having a tidy window, in my opinion, Leicester City. Uh, Patson Daka, great player from RB Salzburg. Yeah, he he looks so ready to go too. I think he's just going to tear it up. I don't know how they're going to play up top because you have the ever-present Vardy, who you keep expecting to dip off and take a back seat and continues to score loads of goals every season. Uh, Kelechi Hinacho found really great form at the end of the season, was doing amazing things, scoring goals, really looking more polished than ever. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Daka slats into that team. It's a good fit. I, I think he's probably like the long-term successor to Vardy in plan or, or some – form of him and uh Inacho up top yeah yeah maybe two up top maybe one of them a little bit wider they both capable on the wing so well they had tons also, of success with Vardy and Inacho together yeah no definitely so it makes sense to one another striker for depth and for the future um also Bubakari Sumare from Lille on the free Lille who won league on yeah uh this past season over PSG I which is insane about that. yeah and so they got they got Sumari on a free, and he's highly rated talent. Very that's highly another rated. great great bit of Leicester business. They always do it. Um, we'll see if they keep Ndidi this summer or not, but they'll be fine if they don't. I they got agree. Bertrand on a free, I'd, I'd backup be, fullback. Maybe not this summer because you really haven't heard much about it, but I was going to say I thought Tielemans might be out this summer. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, definitely. Um, I really see him. Like Liverpool. Yeah, I was going to say I – I see when Liverpool gets like the sixty million I bet he would cost or so together, that would be a good wine album replacement. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. That would make sense. So we'll see. Uh Liverpool kind of a quiet window. Yeah. Just very quiet. Ibrahima Konate, center back, and does he start? Are they gonna go Matip Virgil? Is Virgil gonna be fully healthy? Is Matip gonna be fully healthy? I don't know. Yeah. But I mean Konate looks like an absolute unit, so I'm excited <laughs> to see him play. That team's center back depth is ridiculous. Yeah, so I mean, it's ridiculous, and yet <laughs> they ran out of center backs last season. So. Yeah, like Jordan Pickford said, "Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, that was that was gnarly. Uh, but you know, they 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 don't really need to strengthen. What they need to do is they need to plan for the future. They need to secure some people on new deals on their team, really. Um, or figure out who's going to leave and start thinking about replacing them. But if they're healthy, they're still a top, top club. So I think they need to, I, I mean, 
I guess there's no way to tell but time, but they need to figure out if uh, Mane is going to be back to himself or if they need to replace him and or Firmino in some form in their front yeah. three. Because it seems like Jota is the natural replacement for one of them, either on the wing or up top. Right. I think right now he can be that guy for to fill in for both as long as one of them's performing decently. Exactly. But yeah, long term, they're going to have to look there for sure. Um, and who else do you think is having a good window? Crystal Palace. Yeah, Palace very much in a rebuild. They lost just about half their team, but they're an aging team, so a lot of older players out, and they're they're making great signings in terms of rebuild. All of their signings have been young, promising English, mostly fairly or primarily tested. proven. Yeah, fairly proven talent. Uh, and they managed to hold on back. to Wilfried Zaha every window as well. Yeah, I mean, and they got Eze. Unfortunately, he's not going to be back till halfway through the season on injury. But that signing was one I was really jealous of last season. Yeah, he's filthy. Phenomenal player. So gross. Uh, and then they brought in Michael Olise, who is a similar player. Very creative, progressive, positive player. Really bright talent from Reading for cheap, too. Yeah. Um, all these they're doing business for cheap too. Smart business for cheap. Mark Gahey from Chelsea, who's on loan at Swansea last season, a big part of their success in their championship campaign. Jakob Anderson. Uh, yeah, you're big on him. He's he was. I was hoping. Yeah, I was hoping we would be in for him. Great player. Um, really shirt up Fulham's defense last season when he came in. Mm-hmm. Maybe their player of the season. Maybe their best player. Right. Yeah. Last season, so that's that's huge. Connor Gallagher, as well. Uh, on loan from Chelsea. He looked good for a sh- really bad West Brom team last season. <laughs> I think he's a good talent. Yeah. All I can think of, though, when whenever I think of Connor Gallagher is, one, I don't like his stupid haircut. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. It's I'm just jealous because I don't have luscious... He's, I don't have luscious hey, locks like that. He's no Brian Heal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah, he's no Brian Heal. I also feel like you should, because of how you have to pronounce it, you have to, like, maximum Spanish accent with <laughs> Brian Hill. But, uh, sorry, I was I was just going to say, all I can think of with Gallagher is that one game we played uh, West Brom last year, and there was just one moment where I think, I forget who the other central midfielder was, but him and his partner both just pressed hard Endombele, and he turned around and, like, he made this, like, feigned step forward. And they both, like, went for it. And he kind of, like, did this hop skip and dragged the ball right between them. And, like, it's just one of those moves where you see Tongi and you're like, what what the hell? Like, who even does that, right? Right, yeah, just, just crazy. Yeah, but overall, good window for Palace. I think... Um... I haven't really been overly impressed by any of the other teams. Leeds signing Furpo was kind of big, but... Yeah, we'll we'll see how that turns out. I think that could either go really, really well or be really, really disappointing. Yeah. But, yeah, Leeds got a good left back in. They needed that. I've been surprised and a little bit disappointed in the newly promoted teams as far as the moves they're making. I feel like they just aren't doing a whole lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
Moneyball, Brentford are going to be smart, and I'm not going to know who they sign, and they're going to end up being really good players. I think Brentford... And I think Brentford's spine of players that they have that are staying is really good. Like uh, They got the Danish pipeline. Yeah, well, and they've got, like, Mbemo and uh, Tony, and, like, I, Tony, I don't think yeah. those guys are going anywhere. Yeah, no, so Brentford, I trust, is fine because they've been so smart with their business, and they have proven talented players and they've added more um Iyer from Celtic at center back was a big signing yeah Frank Onyeka from Denmark in the midfield looks like he could be really good and then a lot of other signings I'm not familiar with these players but I trust Moneyball Brantford will <laughs> develop them they got their they've their advanced scouting intel they're getting those deals so I definitely think Norwich are gonna yo-yo again Especially after saying selling Bendia and looks like they might sell Cantwell as well. Yeah, I mean it's kind of crazy that they would willingly sell their most creative player without replacing him. So we'll see. I mean Cantwell can fill that role pretty well. Oh, they did sign Milo Rashitska, uh, Rashitsa from Germany. He looks like he could be that replacement. We'll see if he hits the ground running or not, but still spent a fraction of the price replacing a huge player. Let's not forget, also, they also lost uh, Oliver Skip. Like, he's staying with us this season, and he looks like he's probably pushed Harry Winks out the door. And he was, like, their most consistent defensive midfielder last season. He played, I think, every single game for him, or for them. That is interesting, and what I will say about that is... They did secure Billy Gilmore on loan to play in that role, uh, potentially. Yeah, they did. Which seems like it could work out pretty well, at least for this season. But that's still to be seen. And I think, I mean, they're quietly having like a decent window. They're just doing Norwich Norwich signings, which <laughs> results in them yo-yoing. <laughs> um, but I actually saw today that they just announced that they're signing U.S. men's national team striker Josh Sargent. Oh, really? That's that's cool. It's an interesting one. Yeah, he and I'll be excited to see him in the prem. But I don't know, I don't know. I don't know much about him. He he seemed to be an important player for Werder Bremen. I don't know. We'll see how he. he I'm excited to see him in the prem. Yeah, me too. It's always interesting when a North American player uh, comes over the Premier League or in uh, any of the big leagues in Europe. Really. Oh, quick North American sidebar. Olympics soccer isn't great, but at least the women's game is pretty interesting. And we won our first gold. Won the gold. <laughs> we won our first gold. Like I'm honestly, like I have to say, I'm so unbelievably proud of them. Like, like how big of a deal it is for the Canadian women's team. Like, and how much more successful they've managed to be than the men. Like, it doesn't need to be a contest, right? But like, I think it really speaks to, I guess the amount of dedication that women put in in the U.S. and Canada versus I think a lot of that probably comes down to the opportunities presented to them yeah. but that's also that another episode <laughs> the theme yeah. theme yeah, of the we'll, podcast things we'll talk we'll about that later <laughs> opportunities but uh yeah huge huge win for Canada um the U.S. women's national team had a disappointing showing but it's always disappointing when they don't win at all and they ended up getting the bronze medal at least so Congrats to our North American ladies. Good showing at the Olympics. Men's Olympic soccer is garbage. Um, 
don't care about that. Well, that's the nice thing with the uh, with the women's Olympic soccer too is there's no funky like age rules, and because they have less major tournaments, like it's just like any other major tournament, like like the U.S. and Canada and all the big clubs like they're coming to win, and they're bringing their best team. Yeah, exactly. They have their best players every time, and it shows. So, yeah, I'm super ecstatic for Canada. Like, so deserving. Um, if we if we missed your team and if we missed some big signings. We definitely missed definitely stuff in foreign they, leagues. There's too much to talk about. Yeah, we were very ang- Anglo-centric, I guess you could say, in this podcast. Uh, but we'll, we'll hopefully cover the rest later. But, you know, football is back, baby. Yeah. Uh, English Football League Championship had their first game of the season today, West Brom and Bournemouth. Two likely candidates for promotion. And, yes, in England they call the second league the championship. Um, So if you hear that, it could be a little bit misleading, but it's the second tier in England. Oh, yeah, but other than that. Premier League starts next weekend. Premier League next weekend. Getting real excited for it. A lot of big transfer questions still remain to be answered. So stay tuned. We'll talk about those next time. We'll have a nice, hopefully, season preview or season review. Or We'll have a lot to talk about next podcast. Um, will Harry Kane leave? Will Man United finally sign a defensive midfielder? <laughs> uh, <laughs> What else? Will Southampton adequately replace Ings? No, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what we We're do. We're actually going to talk uh, about that now. No. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. No. Covered. We won't talk about that anymore. We're we're done with Southampton. I've I've said as a Southampton fan way too many times today, and we're done with that. But you guys get the point now. I'm a Southampton fan. Oh yeah. Anything else, Sean, to close us out here? Nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it there. Sean's good. (laughs) Stay tuned to find out if Sean stays good next episode. It's a mystery. Uh, Thanks for joining us. If you listened the whole way, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Probably took a lot of of effort.